Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't know. I wouldn't, wouldn't count too much on it. Uh, what do you mean? I'm doing a lot of listening. Yeah, okay. What's it? <laughs> do you want to sit there? I don't want to sit there. <laughs> Trying anyway. How is everybody? Good. Good week. Awesome. Well, David and I are gonna duo this one next week. We might have to figure something out because I'm occupied in a city thing, and then. He's occupied during film, so anybody want to lead next week? I want to go to the city thing. Oh, yeah. well, we could cancel and what is the city postpone. And it's the, it's the, the city council, city council thing. Candidate I'm setting up the camera in the back. Oh, is that what and you're letting there it for? run while I go do another shoot. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you were Johnny, Johnny Walls. I think I'm just going to give it to Johnny and let Johnny do it. I don't, yeah, be I don't think I have the time. We'll see. So. I mean, All right. If everybody's up to that, we can do that. We want to go to the city council meeting. Be, I'll, I, I have to be there, otherwise, bad news for me. I mean, got to got to back Randy. Right. So Cheer at everything he says, and then just silence for everything <laughs> else. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I think a majority of the people here could not actually vote in the, in the <laughs> that's city true. one, that's ironically true. enough. False support. False support. So I'm no. just going to say this. I think you fall well outside. <laughs> we went to the Fellowship of the Ring in Kentucky Theater. You guys, you guys came, didn't you? Anybody else come? I know we had a couple from... There was several Drinklings folks and Wilmore people that were there, and... It was so cool, man, just doing it. And I took my 13-year-old son who just finished reading Fellowship of the Ring here. We've got a requirement that he was not allowed to see the movies until he's read the book. And he's, he's currently stuck in, in, I think, the third chapter of The Two Towers. So I was hoping that was going to shake him out of his, his complacency. But it was still really cool. And then, and then Alex West's son came along with, and it was a really cool, cool event. He has not read Lord of the Rings. Um, yeah. He'd already seen the movie. So. Yeah. Just, uh, Wes is a better parent than me. <laughs> More lenient. All right, so we are we into so. we are into the Council of Elrond, which yeah, is a big, big, big chapter um, here. It's kind of a, a turning point. I think this is I think this is really where, like, <laughs> Tolkien starts to hit his stride in this book. Like, we start to figure out that things are where things are going, how things are coming, you know. There's a whole lot of weird stuff in the beginning. you got a really long introduction. you got Tom Bombadil. you got, you know, the Barrow Downs, all this kind of stuff. And, and it's kind of like, all right, where is this going? But here, of course, is where we're going to hit characters that are going to be with us throughout the rest of the book. And, 
And so I think that there's this is really like a climactic point of, of this first book, obviously. So, and of course, if you know the the DVDs, this is exactly where it ends, and then moves on. And the, Turn the disc to. Oh right, I forgot B. about yeah. that. It's like right ends right at the end of it. Cassette B. Yeah, yeah. cassette B. Man, that's how you saw I was watching. I just totally, totally forgot. All right, cool. So, so initial initial thoughts on Council of Elrond. One of the things that struck me when I was rereading it was, um, and this will be an interesting conversation at least for me as the book progresses, is that Boromir's character became a lot more complicated. <laughs> Every single time I've ever read this before, Boromir's character was like very simple. This time I was rereading it, it was like his character is a lot more complicated than I thought. Mm. And I mean, since he first appears here, this is kind of difficult. yeah. Why do you why do you think that's so? Um, part of it depends. Like once we get there, when you are introduced to Faramir, what Faramir says about his brother puts a lot of light on his character, but um, I think you can see in Boromir like one thing, like he doesn't understand the ring. He doesn't, like, with the other characters, like the characters all have this understanding of the ring and like why we have to destroy it for so and I don't think Boromir ever gets that. He never really understands why we have to destroy it versus you know, Why you can't be leveraged. Yeah. yeah, And so I think that adds an interesting part to his character. And then um, kind, he's kind of the uh, character of want to do the right thing for the, but by the wrong means mm. kind of character. And so I think that adds a, an interesting dynamic into his character where it's not... He's the uh, good, bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's complicated, right? Yeah. So, in a large sense, he is a he is a hero, you know, and you see that obviously culminate through his story. And he has these moments of he's these moments of deep wisdom that are there, but also this deep brokenness that's part of him. And of course, you can't really get past the fact that there's you know there's one elf on this journey, there's one dwarf on this journey, you know, there's one wizard on this journey, you know. Of course, you get the the hobbits, but there's two men on this journey and part of me wonders why what Tolkien was trying to do with introducing two men rather than two elves two dwarves you know you've yeah. been talking about Aragorn being you know, the ideal king I think in some ways Boromir is the real king mm. so Aragorn is the, per- is the king that everyone wants to aspire to Boromir is actually the king that we often have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's funny. It's that Boromir didn't understand what the ring was. I think that's a huge point. Um, it's kind of like if someone gave you the ability to take an epic story um, and they handed it to you and said, "I'd like you to make this for the screen," and not understanding that you then go down the rabbit hole of doing what you want and thinking, all right, we're getting into the internet. <laughs> 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 um, but no, I think it really is it's about understanding. Um, understanding the nature of a thing uh, and, and a, his lack of understanding of the nature of the thing itself 
is his ultimate downfall, right? Um, and so much of the downfall of everyone else who's in coming into contact with this thing. Mm. Um, <clears throat> although it's interesting, like, you can take that in, 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 the, in the opposite, too, where you come to, like, the nature of the things that are good, like, like, like uh, Galadriel and Lothlori. Like, you, you look at that, and it's, it's like, the nature of this thing is, if it's misunderstood as evil by some, but it's actually what we bring into that space that is uh, evil that we bring in. So it's, it's very interesting that he kind of plays that, plays that out in the character, I think, which is, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't really considering up until now. Yeah, that's a good point. You also look at the lineage of, of Boromir versus the lineage of, of uh, Aragorn. Mm-hmm. He comes up, he has the sword that's, that's broken. He's, these heirlooms have been passed down. He comes from this line. And then you look, and Boromir comes from the Stuarts. Mm-hmm. And you see, I know Peterson talks about that you have the, the, the uh, like Scar and, uh, what's uh, Lion King? What's the? Mufasa. Mufasa. Yeah. So you have those two. You have the 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 wicked king is usually the uncle trying to usurp, and then you have the good king. You know, the, so it's uh, that's the archetype. There's the, the wicked king and the good king, and you see these. There's two sides to that, but what determines who you're going to be is your behavior. And then so we see the Boromir's behavior actually turns out to be he's, he's heroic. He overcomes some of these 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 things to be heroic, but. The way he was raised, Denethor, the line he comes from, you know, he doesn't know about them. He doesn't know about these certain things. They've been forgotten. But Aragorn holds to those things and centers him, and you know, gives him a, a, a greater, comp- a better compass, maybe. Well, it's interesting too that Faramir. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Faramir is attracted to that, even though he's of the same line. But mm-hmm. he's he he finds that history and that legacy, and latches onto it through the Council of Mithrandir and. That becomes his probably is probably his guiding light because he references it so often in his talks later on in the series. But I don't know. I don't yeah. know if we want to jump. So <laughs> don't want to. Yeah, trying to hold myself we'll back. <laughs> get there, but I have a different take on Faramir too, because of this different take on Boromir. Hmm. And I don't know. Like I'm, pro- I'm probably reading too much into Boromir's character, and but. Yeah. So when we get there, there yeah. I read it differently this time too. Yeah. yeah, that's good. What were some of the your guys' other thoughts on some of the other characters here, I mean, Boromir and Aragorn? There's some contrast there, but what about? So the things I thought was was funny, and I I started to see Bilbo present himself. This image of the, the picture you see of Tolkien with smoking the pipe and his wispy gray hair and his, his curmudgeon-looking face. There you go. Yes. Like that. <laughs> I, so as I was listening to Bilbo talk in this, I saw this image of Tolkien. I was like, I could totally see Tolkien writing himself into this, especially when he he gets up there and says, you know, uh, all that glitters is not gold. And he looks at it and he's like, Shh. I just made that up. You know, like I, I, I wrote that for Aragorn. He asked me to, and like a, a nod and a wink, and I was like, "That seems to me a lot like a, a self-referential mm-hmm. moment." And, and, yeah. and he's coming, he's writing himself into Bilbo. Yeah. No more. I don't yeah. know. I just that was just, that just struck me. I kept seeing that cup image, that mug image, <clears throat> as I was reading Bilbo. Yeah. Sometimes it strikes me that 
Tolkien is much cheekier than some of his writings <laughs> seems to imply. Uh, but yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I like, if we can just go back to that self-referential, I, I forgot to say this back um, during Rivendell, but I, I thought, well, we're still mm-hmm. um, So anyway, I like how, I like how basically Bilbo's estimation of, of what Rivendell is good for is basically the summary of a good English club. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good English what? It's a good English club. Yeah, it's good for you know sitting by the fire and quiet. Mm-hmm. There's no talking. You can read. You can you can fall asleep. I just thought I, I thought oh, okay that's that's Tolkien right there. Right. Rivendell is like a good club. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Why do you think it is different? There may be a bit different. Well, he's a ring bearer. I mean, they have a they have a connection there with you know a talisman. Yeah. Um, and also, Bilbo's been out in the wider world, whereas the other hobbits haven't yet. They're just now starting to see what's beyond the Shire. Yeah. Whereas Bilbo <coughs> got all the way to the Lonely Mountain. He yeah. Fought with trolls. He, with spiders. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was thinking is like, you know, to a certain extent, he has finished his journey. He's been on his adventure, you know, and he's he's been broken in, you know, and so there's some solidarity that he can feel with those who have also been broken in by, by the world, you know. I would imagine, you know, as we go further and further into the book, you know, and you're, and you're coming back, like, you can see some of those transformations start to happen in Frodo too, you know, that all of a sudden just the weight of this and the journey and the adventure and, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's just because even at this point, they're still thinking they're going home, you know, like we've gotten this this far, we've done our duty. Now it's time to go, you know, but it's like the adventure's not really even started yet. You know, you're still, you're still just outside the garden here. That sets up, closer understanding of what happens in Minas Tirith in Return of the King with Aragorn and, and, and the Hobbits. Yeah. Like this whole this whole relationship and you know Did you say Aragorn? Aragorn. Aragorn, yeah. Two different things. <laughs> <laughs> we remember when we started our, our podcast we called him Tolkien. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah, so Tolkien. Tolkien. Her her brother, my best friend, called him and Probably still does call him Argon. Argon. Argon like the gas. <laughs> 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 
can we go back to Bonner real quick? Yep. I, I have like a super kind of meta question about uh, that ties in with Boromir. So like, I don't think we can just say Boromir's like a flawed king and stuff because he's actually summoned by a dream. Yeah. And mm. the, the question, yeah. the part, the meta, like, um, Kuru sort of, you know, uh, question I have is like, who summons everybody? Yeah. Um, that's what Lilron says, isn't it? Yeah. Because, yeah, because, so like, Boromir, you know, he, um, <laughs> so, you know, Boromir had this dream, and, uh, you know, with this quote, to seek for the sword that was broken in, in Ladras, it dwells. There shall be counsels taken stronger than marble skulls. There shall be shown a token that doom is near at hand, for Isabel's vein shall waken, and the halfling force shall stand. And, and they talk about how, you know, other places, like each of them came seeking something, but Elrond didn't actually summon. So, yep. and so it makes me feel like, and, and I, I was like asking the question to myself, well, where, what is the source of prophecies too? So mm -hmm. there's, because there's, there's this summoning in a dream and like, like meta-wise, yep. uh, theologically, where do prophecies come from? And you have this like guiding hand that kind of has, seems to have like, there's still like essences of free will in here because Boromir gets summoned, but he goes astray, yep. even though he had an opportunity to come to the council. There's like, there's a lot, there's yep. a lot. Yep. That's interesting. It's interesting you mention that because that again ties back to when we get to Faramir. <laughs> so, yep. Because, yeah. So the With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to come back he to that. He didn't even know where he was going. Yeah. That, that was incredible. Right. He, just, he yeah. said, I didn't come to ask for anything. Yeah. yeah. Was just, he was like, I didn't come for a boon. I came to find a riddle. Yep. It's interesting what Elrond says here. I think sheds some light on uh, the... <laughs> Said, yeah, said some light on the the question at the. Um, thank you. I thought these were going to be brighter than they are. <laughs> we'll see if they continue to get. This is this is so nice. This is so nice. Um, we'll just try it. Yeah, here we go. Uh, that is the purpose for which you were called hither. Called, I say, though I have not called you to meet me, strangers from distant lands. You seem to have come 
and are here met in the very nick of time by chance, as it may seem, yet it is not so. Believe rather that it is ordered that we who sit here and none others must now find counsel for the peril of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I, that's a, that to me is a big signifier, but it also comes sort of spins back around later on in the, in the series when you know, they kind of allude to the Valar. And the and the power is, but Gandalf already did did an allusion to them earlier in the in the story of this book, actually, when he's talking about uh, the strangeness of the ring finding Bilbo that he was meant to find it, mm-hmm. um, which that one seems to be to be more of a a godly kind of like a, a Eru Iluvatar kind of maneuver there from like a high perspective, but the Valar. Uh, are specifically cited in many places as being the ones who work in things like dreams and such, um, as 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 it may be, and this one in particular seems like that kind of flavor to me. But it's 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 very interesting because when you see how he kind of weaves the the idea of the of the cold portion of it, mm-hmm. and then that sometimes when the things that go awry later on in the story actually circle back around to be the best way they could have been. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of strategic planning that goes into the calling of that person, and if that person hadn't come, then it may have gone otherwise, and that mm-hmm. may have not been for the best in the long run. It's just, it's interesting. Mm. And there's, I mean, and you touched there too on theodicy. Right? Mm-hmm. How is how is the divine addressing evil? You know, it's not just about about providence, but providence in the midst of this overall this overall scheme that evil has concocted in the world. You know, mm-hmm. and of course, Tolkien also says like this will continue into the next age, and you know, it won't be done until the end of history. So even these characters are just as crucial as they are and as called as they are, are not the end-all, be-all, you know. Some of the movies might make us believe that, but, you know, the story continues here, you know. And so... I mean, other Frodo's and other generations. And yeah, yeah, and yeah. This battle continues. Yeah. But, but the whole point of, you know, you are called for a purpose now, you know. Yeah. And that's what it's... And I'll say that's an encouraging thought. Yeah, you know, he he's big on meta narrative. Um, you can see it in his larger works, and and it's very he's he seems like often so often the ties in the meta narrative style of scripture yep. into his overall schemes, which is like, for example, in the case of Joseph, you know, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Yep. Yeah. Um, he does that all the time in his stories. It's like something will go totally south, but in the end it ends up redeeming that thing which went south, and, um, and then it kind of plays out in this larger story. And, and then it just keeps leading towards some final conclusion. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's totally hyperlinked. Yeah, it's just... I, I wish sometimes that I, I could have talk to him about after this series, you know, what he kind of saw for the, for the vision of the fourth age or whatever it was. The new show. Um, yeah, but not even so much that as is like where the, like, where the end of Arda was going to lead. 
because that would have been pretty interesting stuff. Although it's probably so, it's so beyond any one person to write that I don't know <laughs> that he could have done it. It's just, it's an, an immense task. This was hard enough. <laughs> what do you guys think about the, the, Saru, the Saruman and Gandalf mm -hmm. scene here, mm. right? Just not played out in the council when <clears throat> in the films, but here it's a bit more. It's a bit more complex. You know, you have a strong duality of characters between Gandalf and Saruman in the films, but in the book, it's a little bit different. Anybody have thoughts on that? I'll, I'll read this. Um, so he's talking about meeting Saruman. And he says, I looked then and saw that his robes, which had seemed white, were not so, but were woven of all colors. And if he moved, they shimmered and changed hue so that the eye was bewildered. I liked white better, I said. This is Gandalf. White, he sneered. It serves as a beginning. White cloth may be dyed. The white page can be overwritten and the white light can be broken. In which case, Gandalf said, it is no longer white, and he that breaks the thing to find out what it, what it has left, has, or what it is, has left the path of wisdom. Mm. Yeah. And I thought, that's pretty, pretty profound here, mm. right? Mm. <clears throat> I have a question, um, like where are the rest of the wizards? He talks about... Oh, man, I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I'm not that versed in the back in the back lore, so, I mean, if we want to just say it's back there, that's fine. <laughs> um, but it, the thing is, it's, it's so not, like, it's not... I mean, this, this story, this isn't just, like, people with wizards. Mm -hmm. like, it's not like there's... Troops of wizards, and there's you know, but there's like only like three. And I think so, there's five total yeah. in the whole thing. But how are they? How is he the head of an of an order of only, and they're all colored? Well, they've all been tasked with different things to oversee. You know, they talk about Radagast a little bit, and then there's two other wizards, and I, if I remember correctly. At least one of them, they're like, we don't even know his name. He's yeah. like, he's he went away a long time ago, and yeah, somewhere. Only two of the other three are named, I think. Yeah, yeah. The, it was if if memory serves, it's uh, Alatar and Pelandir, the the blue wizards, and they disappeared in the mountains of Shadow or the mountains of Ashnir, Mordor, probably about fifteen hundred years before the story starts. Never there heard from go. again. Tolkien yeah. never wrote about them after that. Yeah. yeah, and it was. I think it's one of those points where. He even said he can't like you know. Yeah. I don't know really what happened to him. Yeah. Here are these two theories. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, oh, okay. And one of them's vastly different than the yeah. other, and he wrote it later in life. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I think it. you do hit on a good point though. Of like, there are all these other characters beyond the you know the the mortals and the elves and so forth that are almost yeah. transcendent, almost angelic. You know, and there's this continuous question of where. Where are these characters in the midst of this whole story? If you're familiar with some of the other mythology and stuff like that. They're there, they're around, they're involved, and things like that. But you have, you know, Iluvatar, and then you have his archangels, basically, that are over all different aspects of the world. And you're kind of like, 
where where are these guys when we need them? What about the God at the seat? You know, or you know, it's just this continual question here of silence too that I think is just presented even in this. Right? Why is it Gandalf? That's the only one that seems to be. I don't remember? know if we want to spoil that yet. Um, there, there's some, there's some big stuff that happens in the next couple books yeah. that really illuminates that, mm-hmm. and it's kind of an awesome revelation. But <clears throat> do you remember what he was sent for originally, though? Like, well, he talks about what he was sent for originally after this, after this section. Okay, um, I remember. That. <laughs> for fireworks, cool fireworks. For yeah. Because when he when he's talking to him, he's basically calling him a wise busybody. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what, yeah. I, and I was like, I wonder what his actual job is. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah. Research assistant. Yeah. The five wizards, as far as I know, the Astari were sent. Well, never mind. Sorry, David. You were talking about in a couple chapters. I don't want to spoil that, but I guess I know I talked about this a little bit like two weeks ago. But that point of uh, white is such a boring color, it's such a dreary thing, and Gandalf says he who loves, who he breaks a thing to find out what it is to part of the path of wisdom. Saruman, as a Saruman the Wise, has finally come to this conclusion and research ring making lore and all these things like that that he wants to be the Lord of the Rings, and you know that if he uh, sides with Sauron, somehow he can supplant him and mm-hmm. that he's looking for, oh no, don't worry, Gandalf, we will accomplish the mission we were sent to mm-hmm. do, but we're going to do it differently because the way we've been doing it's not working. So like, kind of like how you were saying, Caleb, earlier, he becomes yeah. that essentially, essentially that good by any means necessary, especially mm-hmm. if that means doing bad things. And yeah. so in that, he departs from the path of wisdom. Yeah. Order, I believe, yeah. was mm-hmm. one of his main thrust there yeah, at the end wasn't it yeah. Yep. yeah we can we can bide our time right so mm-hmm. and by by joining forces here we can we can delay what's ultimately on its way we can keep our thoughts in our hearts secrecy keeping them from the enemy deploring maybe evils done by the way but approving the high and ultimate purpose knowledge rule order and he capitalizes all of these right and this is this is the higher way knowledge rule and order all the things that we have to we have so far striven in vain to accomplish hindered rather than helped by our weak or idle friends there need not be there would not be any real change in our designs only in our means and that's a very different kind of saruman than like is portrayed in hollywood yeah you know you can see him almost talking himself into it like or that he's had this conversation with himself before many times effectively Um, you know, I, I, we can figure this out. We just need to do it this way instead, yeah. because this way it actually will work, and, and we can we can make it work. Yeah. And, and we'll turn the tables. And I think what yeah. it does is it takes. I think it takes Saruman's character and turns him into a tragedy of sorts. Mm-hmm. You know, like you sympathize with him rather than just villainize him. Well, you know. Yes. Yeah. Basically, he. We need to just be brave enough. Yeah. And just to see that, that, that tragic yeah. flaw in Machiavellian. Yeah. Thought. We'll just, it's just the means that yeah, yeah. change it. We're still good. Yeah. 
yeah, the ends justify the means. So it doesn't matter how we get there as long as we can we can ultimately defeat Sauron just by partnering with him for now. Which, of course, I think I can't imagine the Tolkien was you know again and writing in the midst of all the stuff that was happening in Europe at the time, not drawing the connections there. I know he says no, but I'm like, there are so many people that said, you know, if we'll only just make these alliances, the church even, I'll make these, we'll make these alliances just so that we can, you know, supplant so Hitler and Nazis and tyranny. Yeah. This is, what does Saruman lose? You lose honor, mm-hmm. you lose justice, you lose all those, those qualities that you need to sustain society, you lose those with the will to power. Right. Because you're willing to subvert justice and honor and chivalry and goodness to to win. But once you've won, what makes you think you're going to stop and re, rebuild those or put those back in their, their rightful spot? Because it's, it's worked so far. And if you guys if you guys heard the uh, the audio of Tolkien being asked the question, why didn't uh, why couldn't the Eagles have mm-hmm. carried them? Yep. Mm-hmm. I oh, actually, so. I haven't heard that audio. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No. He says, "So everybody probably asks you this, but you know, why can't why couldn't the eagles just fly, you know, the ring over to Mordor and drop it in, you know?" Or, 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 and, and he goes, "People ask me this question all the time, and to everyone who asks me that, I, I say this: Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> you say that? I need to find that audio. Oh, oh, it's amazing that. That was yeah. awesome. The state Shut up. Are you sure that's real? Yeah, no, it's a thing. Yes. Oh, that's crazy. I swear. Well, he does say this. On, he's still in the Council of Elrond with that, right? He's like, why here? He says, how far can you bear me? And he said, many leagues, but not to the ends of the earth. I was sent to bear tidings, not burdens. Mm-hmm. You know? So, again, like, you continue to get this sense of these characters have a certain place. They have a certain <coughs> role. You know? They can't just decide whatever that is going to be or audible. They can't be outside of whatever their nature or calling is. Otherwise... You know, they're, they're, they're outside of their own purpose, you know. So the eagles legitimately can't without define what they're meant to be. Also, they would get attacked by the Nazgul as yeah, soon yeah. as they went over the mountains and it would have been a big old, you know, air battle and no one would have gotten the ring to the mountain because then they would have been aware of what's going on and it would have been a total mess. I was, I was figuring on an answer like what you said, you and Randy said. I was expecting on some, like, great, you know, literary, you know, answer to, Proving like he was going to go back and hit his resources and footnotes and no no no. It is interesting how Saruman in doing that becomes more like Sauron. Sauron who despises mm-hmm. who those who he seems as lesser and weak, mm-hmm. and that in that sense of claiming power and do- and seeing power, true power as dominating others completely. I mean, the ring rates, their will is completely enslaved to him. The orcs, actually, there is an appendice that says that Sauron had greater control over the orcs and their will than Morgoth. And that shows just how much he believed in that by, that by squashing others, that gave him power. Mm-hmm. And I, I do see the comparison, kind of what you were saying too, Randy, of I am Sauron of many colors. Mm-hmm. goes back to that point, Wes, you were raising is what does it cost? And I think at the end of the day, your soul. It's mm-hmm. going to cost everything. It will yep. cost your life. You won't even know it. And it's that sense that seems seemingly harmless at the time, but in the after effect, you're no longer who you were. And mm-hmm. Saruman claims his own identity. I am yes. Saruman of many colors because I get to be and define myself mm-hmm. rather than this task for which I was granted, which was the highest of the order, yep. to be the wisest and their leader. 
I and unmade the order and recreated it in my own design. Yeah, and, and it's going to be better. <laughs> it's also interesting to note that, like, there's probably some parallels there between Saruman and Boromir, right? Mm. And so where yes. we see Saruman as a tragedy because he continued down that path, right? Boromir was also to say, hey, you know, this is about power, this is about rule, this is about order, right? All for Gondor, right? All for all these all these ends that we want, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll we're willing to pursue other means in order to get there, you know. And of course, he ultimately ends up changing his path. But I think, like you said, like you you kind of became somebody that was not who you were meant to be, mm-hmm. right? And Boromir did that, but turned back before it was before he could be gone. Mm-hmm. And Saruman is an envoy of of the Valar. Like I mean, that he mm-hmm. he knew he knows mm-hmm. things. I mean, as you with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk about, like, being there since the beginning of creation. He knew. Sure. You know, he has a lot more knowledge than someone like Boromir. Yeah, it's a big critique on, mm-hmm. b- big critique on intellectualism and, mm-hmm. and, you know, almost enlightenment thinking that says as long as we, you know, the more knowledge and the more power we have, the more ethical we are, the more right to decide that we are, you know. Mm-hmm. And ultimately it comes down to, to Frodo, right, and the hobbits who are not intellectuals, you know. They're shire folk that smoke pipes and drink beer and eat food, <laughs> right? And, like... You contrast those two, yeah. right? Knowledge and simplicity, mm-hmm. right? And I always think of, you know, there's a verse in Ecclesiastes which says, you know, with, with, with the reading of many books comes, comes much pain. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's talking. There's this, this idea of too much in its wrong place. And in so many areas, like you know, too much knowledge, and it's in the in the hands of the wrong person. Too much life in the hands of mortals. Um, you know, like too uh, too much power in the hands of one that can't hold it. Um, is is like is a kind of a common theme. Like if you think about the Numenorians, they like ultimately they strove for longer life in in the in the backstory. And the more they stretched out their hand to it, the more withered their hand became, and then ultimately it was their downfall. Um, and then you have too much power in the hand of a Harfoot, dare we say the word now? Um, and it turns it turns it to uh, self-inflicted agony. Um, and Wait, we see the same greatest villain person. here, which is which I th- well, I think is the greatest villain, and, and the greatest villain is the compassionate Satan. Right, like Thanos, 
Like, I'm going to save the world from starvation by wiping half of it out so that we can have sustainable resources. I'm smarter than, I've, I've figured all this out, I'm smarter than when I know, because I'm so wise, that if I do this, everyone's going to benefit from this. Um, whereas, what we're saying is, there are the two hobbits over here that have no idea about any of the information that you have, and yet in the simplicity of this, and in, in, in the, in the wisdom of man's making, you know, the foolishness of God is greater than the, the, than the wisdom of man, and when it's this foolishness, it actually sustains and makes life worth living, whereas the compassion state was like, I have to use will to power, you have to come under my thumb, but if you, but I know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have to give up your life for this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it seems so much like the, the, the good, the characters that rise to the challenge of what they're set are the ones that both embrace the heights that they're called to and the realities of their limitations. Um, you know, Frodo and Sam are called to to dare such insane things. Um, but also, they know at the end of the day that they're just two hobbits walking through peril. And uh, Aragorn, who has, like, all these things, he knows that he knows that he has to risk a lot. And you see it later on in the book where he risks some things. And... He risks them, but he doesn't overextend himself, and he doesn't extend his hand to take the ring, um, and, and so many other things. And Gandalf, even, uh, he, he's humble in his strength in certain parts of the book when it comes back around, but it's, so it's a common theme. To apply that in real life, our initial reaction is always to clamp down and always to you know, express power. Mm. And there's the real ethical problem of when do you have to express power because else everything else falls into chaos. Mm. And the real question of, like Jesus said, the suffering servant, Mm. of I'm going to lead by being your servant. Mm. And I think... You know, and especially as humans, because we want things to be done now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the and like I mean, like you see, like Boromir and Saruman, the, the fastest way to do that is to get as much power as you can and to express that power as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. And there's the other side of um, when are you called to suffer for who knows how many years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that's a hard, I mean, <laughs> hard road to hoe. <laughs> so can we can we can we put that in and, and look at this council, and say, Saruman's vision is, the only way we can do this, is by usurpation, and and will to power, and recreating everything. This old system is not going to work, and yet Elrond's going. I didn't summon you guys. Everybody yeah. showed up here, and you're the exact people who need to be here when they need when something needs to be done. And Zarmans cannot wait for that because he doesn't have the patience or the understanding mm. or the wisdom yeah. to let to let God pull the things together that need to be pulled together. And so you have this: I'm going to superimpose my will, and the other one is 
to let free will happen and, and let the things take course that actually will be sustainable. Well, and also, you have this contrast between just Saruman's strategic plan, you know? He's like, I've got this all figured out. You and me, we got this. We'll subvert, you know, we'll subvert the power. We'll, we'll fool it. We'll trick them, you know, all this kind of stuff. We'll, we got this plan that we'll work through, right? But you have this happen. Nobody summoned. And it's the, it reminds you of that, you know, that poem at the very beginning, right? Bilbo's poem that, you know, once you go out the front door, mm-hmm. you never know where the road is going to end up taking you, you know? Yeah. And then again, like, you know, there's a, the films again just kind of miss some of the point here right we think of a council as a council that they're appointing somebody that that never happens here you know this council is not the one it's not what they don't decide who's going right they don't really even so much decide that this they know it has to happen but that's not the purpose of the convention at all it's just we're here and we're listening right and there's just a big contrast there I think because we can especially you know all our efforts to to do good and to resist evil and you know we we become big planners you know and we don't how often do we just let god do what he's going to do and here comes the train intermission (laughs) (laughs) it also reminds me you know where the, the times were called even even in the mundane like you could say that we're called here right now, you know, this group of people. Uh, sure, maybe not to, to throw a ring into the Mount, Mount Doom, but... You never know. Who knows? Seems like a good point for a bathroom break. It is. great if there were metrics to show if there's anybody that listens to it all the way to the end. Yeah, I mean, we've had one day 88 people download it. Yeah. So, I don't know, we're, we're almost up to, uh, like, 23,000 uh, downloads. Mm-hmm. So, for a podcast that we don't advertise at all, no, no SEO, going to finish off with this. Can you hear me, Terry? I have a very low voice. I'll wait until it's... This is where we sometimes, love patience. Sometimes they're very short trains and sometimes they just go on and on and on and on. And it's usually when I have to be somewhere that I'm just stuck behind it. So that's my God is reminding me to slow down. All right, so they're sitting here at the end. This is on, this is on the last section of the Council Bell Run, and then we can, we can move on to the next chapter here. No one, no one spoke. Frodo glanced at all the faces, but they still were not turned to him. All the Council sat with downcast eyes, as if in deep thought. A great dread fell on him, as if he was awaiting the pronouncement of some doom that he had long foreseen and vainly hoped might after all, never be spoken. 
An overwhelming longing to rest and remain at peace by Bilbo's side and Rivendell filled all of his heart. And then at last, with an effort, he spoke and wondered to hear his own words, as if some other will was using his small voice. I will take the ring, he said, though I do not know the way. I just, again. Gets me every time. <laughs> meta, you know, the meta right there, right? And again, I like the contrast again of like all he wants to do is that all his heart just wants to sit with Bilbo in Rivendell. It's the only thing that he wants to do. It's the only thing he's ever wanted to do is be by Bilbo's side, right? And to be with the elves. And yet somehow these words seem to come out of him, out of nowhere, right? So and then Elrond says, says he raised his eyes and looked at him and Frodo felt his heart pierced by the sudden keenness of the glance. If I understand all right, all that I have heard, I think that this task is appointed for you, Frodo, and that if you do not find a way, no one will. This is the hour of the Shire folk, when they rise from their quiet fields to shake the towers and the councils of the great. Who of all the wise could have foreseen it? Or if they are wise, why should they expect to know it until the hour is struck? And again, you just see this contrast between wisdom, on one hand, the, the wise of the world, it's a very long train. It's a very long train. It's a very long train. <laughs> it's gotta be one of the longest I've heard in a long time. It's deviate. It's, it's uh, Saruman. <laughs> Evil. He has a mind of metal and wheels. Uh, I think that might have been it. I actually say when it makes that much noise that somebody's not somebody didn't break the right way when they were coming up and so like they shouldn't actually be that noisy. Uh, so what do you guys think about how this how this kind of like in in the, you know the journey's about to begin here right so everything's going to pick up again and, but you have this almost denouement of this problem right and that's where do we go from here? Any thoughts, reflections on that? I know it isn't Lord, but it sounds churchill Yeah. This is the hour of the shadow Yeah. Yeah, this little island is gonna take on the tyranny tyranny of of Europe. says, I will take the ring, though I do not know the way. Yeah. And Saruman has an entire plan right. of what to do with the ring, and how, and, and Boromir has a plan, you know, what the ring, and, and, and Frodo's like, I'll take it, but I, I have no idea. Right. I don't know the way. And this thing. That's the person who gets to take the ring. Yep. <laughs> because, because of the humility and, and, and the, the, the innocence of that. Um, right. Yeah, so... But you, but you also see later when the fellowship is broken too, where it's kind of like, whoa, 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 like our whole plan is changing here. You know, we have to go with, you know, and it's like, no, this was only for a season. You know, it's okay to to go wherever that river or wherever that road is taking taking us. And if we were here for a season or whatever, that's that again is not for us to decide, right? We are appointed for a purpose and, and nothing more beyond that. And again, like, 
what would have happened if the fellowship did not break you know what would have happened if Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas decided to pursue after Frodo and Sam you know mm-hmm. we can't jump ahead <laughs> anyway to, to borrow from Lewis you would simply say that's not a part of your story yep. that's, that's not your story your yep. story is a different now this is a new story for you yep all right, any final thoughts on... I wanted to bring up one thing. When, yeah. when Gandalf is still telling his story, he says, my, my hope was founded on the fat man of greed, and my fear was founded on the cunning of Sauron. But fat men who sell ale have many calls to answer, and the power of Sauron is still less than fear makes it. And I thought, he just mm. slid this amazing truth Fears are bigger than our our fears are bigger than the actual problems we see. Mm-hmm. Something that really struck me was um, when Gandalf says, uh, "Despair or folly? It is not despair, for despair is only for those who see the end beyond all doubt." <laughs> and uh, that struck me. It's the great deception of despair, of there is no hope. Mm-hmm. And yet, like, as Gandalf points out, like, that's a complete lie. Mm-hmm. The only way you can actually, you know, is if you buy that lie, that you know how everything is going to end. Mm-hmm. Like, it just really struck me. So, that, I, it, again, it kind of raises the question of, you know, for Tolkien, he saw this in a sense as a fairy tale right and if you read his on fairy tales you know essay that he wrote which we read as a group here a couple years ago he talks a lot about fairy tales having to operate according to rules right according to systems and it has to work in the real world you know whatever real world it is that you paint and Tolkien sees this as the primordial world of our own which means, for Tolkien, the way that he's really painting this is like the same rules that apply to them still apply to us. You know, these aren't just abstract concepts we can take, and it's just like, well, that was nice. You know, people can read this and say that's fantasy, great, sure, but you know, in the real world, there is despair. You know, but Tolkien is saying, no, like what I'm really trying to paint here is the rules that guide even our own world, which is why he calls this a Catholic book, right? It is a Catholic story, meaning 
this is the same world we have and that is right there you know there is no there's no room for despair you know we can of course Chapter three, the train goes south. I mean, sorry, the, the ring. The ring goes south. Somebody want to kind of like, what what's happening in this chapter? Of course, we're still kind of sitting a little bit with the council at the very beginning, but kind of what's the overarching things that happen in this chapter? This is the part where Aslan and Dumbledore get into that really yes. heated debate, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Quaking heart, said Gimli, or break it, 
that I'll run. Look not too far ahead. There's a dueling wisdoms that yes, go yeah. on through the entire series. Yeah. Like it happens over and over again. And it happens between Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn and Legolas and yeah. Gandalf sometimes. And then occasionally a hobbit will chip, chip in with something that's like really profound and everyone's like, what? Where did that come yeah. from? <laughs> um, this is really interesting. All what, right. what did y'all think about the... Uh, like the actual journey part uh, of the ring going south when they get down into some of the, the nitty gritty in the wilderness and, uh, with the wolves and things like that and things stick out there it wasn't all just striding along in the gorgeous scenery <laughs> <laughs> personification of Karadras yeah. mm. is interesting here. Yep. Which it's just, you know, it's this mountain god almost, right? That is has this malice to him. Is that another train? Huh? Oh, there's another What in the world? Yeah, this is weird. Every time we start bringing up, like, evil, right? It's a slow mover, too. So Karadras is, is personified <laughs> with this, you know, and if you've ever, I mean, I love, anybody here like love the mountains or go hiking or climbing or anything like that, right? Like there's this immensity of power anytime you go up to, to a mountain and you stay from afar and they're beautiful, but you walk up to it and honestly, like I can totally see how people of an ancient world would have looked at those things as gods, you know? It makes you realize how puny and significant that you are, that all that we're taking is just to shrivel off this thing to do you in, you know? And here they are desiring to conquer this mountain, right, on, on the path. And what what happens? Yeah, what? So, what is that? What is the lesson? It's like the last, the last four words of this chapter, right? It's just, just simple as can be. No, no extreme poetry or anything. Karadras had defeated them. Karadras had defeated them. I've, I've been up, I've been up mountains that are huge. Um, like I went up Whitney, which is the largest mountain in the lower 48, and it was so. It was so difficult for so many reasons, but even without those reasons, like it was a nice day. Yeah. <laughs> it was a nice three days that it took me to get up and down that mountain. 
and it was still so freaking hard. And you add in one little thing, like just one storm, one you know encounter with some some bad uh, whatever, and it's just it's like yeah, it's just a total menace in your toast. And you just like thirst the reduced ants on this journey, even though it's like <laughs> this most epic journey. They come face to face with the reality that they're just they're tiny. Do you think Karadras in in the story is? In, the, in its personification as having a will, is this will aligned with evil? Is it aligned with Morgoth? Is it aligned with Sauron? Or what is this will of this mountain? I think that depends on how you how you interpret Tolkien's writing. If you interpret Tolkien's writing of even if a character says he doesn't know, but his guess is what is actually true, then you would say no. Because I think it's Gimli who says something about even long before uh, Sauron, you know, Sauron was in you know was in power, Karadras was known as cruel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And so in that sense, but no. But if you interpret Tolkien as well, that's just their guess. Yeah. Then you could say that well, no, this was. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's and Gandalf says at one point, as long as got an arm and his arm is become long indeed if if he can send down you know snow from the high mountains to trouble us here in terms of referring to Sauron mm-hmm. and that to me sort of is like Gandalf is also guessing well this is probably just <laughs> Karadras being Karadras yeah, yeah, and yeah. just being a turd you yeah. know but <laughs> it's just kind of, I, think, I think that's what it is yeah. he's, he's, he's trying to say mountains do mountain things you yeah. know and like that's the point of this yeah, is we're, we're trying don't, to go across a mountain in the winter yeah, yeah. I mean I, I sometimes think I'm like <laughs> yeah. you know I I love the mountains more than the beach but I love going to the beach and you know looking across the ocean it's still and beautiful and everything but there's sometimes that I'm like we are really naive mm-hmm. right that we build our cities and our and our skyscrapers and take our vacations out there and think and think in any sense that we we can control this ocean mm-hmm. you know and then every once in a while the ocean comes and reminds us like you don't you know you don't control me one bit you know like i just saw I, today a time lapse of a, a camera that was posted must have been on a light pole or building something yeah Myers. yeah and just watching the water rise there were these three yeah. trees off on the left and a boat tied to it and they were still there at the end and stuff but the they were all the trees were almost entirely submerged right. the worst of it and such and there was this one building that was the, the the camera was alongside a street and there was this building and a row of trees in the street and another row of trees and the building during the course of the storm went from on this side of the trees to the middle of the street mm-hmm. it was gone yep yeah gone by the end of that time lapse yeah yep. just yeah, the, the awesome power of the power. nature mm-hmm. is almost enough to, to, you know, again, like you look at it almost as a god and of its own, you know, mm-hmm. as a, having a will of its own. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when that hits us as people, we call it evil, right? Mm-hmm. And it's part of our, our question of, of evil and suffering, right? As there's, there's moral evil and then there's natural evil, right? But... You know, I think at the end of the day, like you look at an ocean and you see a hurricane that's barreling through, and if it's slamming up against something that's non-personal, there's no, there's nothing evil about it. You know, it's just power. That's all it is. But when we get in the mix of it, right, 
then we use this word evil to describe what's happening, you know. Yeah. My in-laws live in Fort Myers, um, and they, they live in the second floor of an apartment building right on the beach. Uh, they were in a bunker when it all went down, and uh, the storm surge came in, and every friend they had in the lower parts of the apartments lost pretty much everything. Mm. Um, and for these people, it was all their most precious stuff because they'd whittled it down to the things they could fit into a studio or a one-bedroom apartment in yep. their old age. So it was memories. And now all their memories are gone now. And so they, so many of them, in the face of that, like, just unbelievable power of just said, nope, I'm leaving, and they're leaving Florida. Because they're like, I didn't come down here to stay when there's you know, more hurricanes coming. Yep. And they're on their way. Yep. Um, and it's, like, just amazing how much that, uh, that personalized it for them. Because yep. up until now, it had seemed like a refuge. Yep. And now it's a place of danger for them. So they've left. And for Tolkien, I mean, he's, he obviously has a very strong nature focus, right? And mm -hmm. the peace and the beauty and, you know, just the simplicity and awe of nature. But here I think you see you see a different kind of nature that he's recognizing, right? Mm -hmm. One, but all of, all of it, from the, from the simplicity to the most powerful, is a nature that we submit ourselves to, you know? Like there's there's no, whether you're Saruman and you're taking the trees and, you know, destroying and reaping, you know, lands and so forth and everything, or you're climbing the mountain, nature, nature will take its way back, you know? Mm -hmm. I think he even says that about, you know, Saruman and Sauron is that eventually, like, they could take the whole earth, and yet, you know, yeah, and it's, and it's true. I mean, if we could take a hydrogen bomb and explode our heart, like the earth will bounce back. Mm -hmm. You know, the universe has a way. I'm thinking about like the sort of Greek idea of like local genius, <coughs> local genie, or a local deity of a place, and how they have personality. And I'm, not to go back to Tom Tom, but um, it said, reminds me of old man Willow a little mm. bit. It's sort of like there's a, a malevolent, mm. sort of just the, like, the malevolent side of nature, just like you were saying, um, as far as when it hits up against us. But there's a little more personality to it here. <laughs> yeah, well, we haven't gotten to the ends yet. We'll get there. We'll get, we'll get there. More nature. All right. Should we call it on tonight? And We got the journey in the dark and then the bridge of Khazal Doom next. Yeah. What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I'll run. I'll run. Yeah, Council of. of uh, that's a, a big, a big chapter. Yeah. But Ruth, are you enjoying this more than you yes. thought? I was so sad that I missed last week. Yeah. I felt terrible. Yeah. I was really sad because uh, discussion is really making it come alive. Yeah. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. Although this last part I haven't enjoyed because I haven't read that far. Yeah. So I'm just listening. <laughs> nice.
journey in the dark. <laughs> All right. Next week, we're skipping next week, or what do we think? Skip the table. What do you guys think? Uh, for the council meeting, skip next Monday, or? I have to be there, so I have no say. <laughs> I will, I will also not yeah. be able to be there. I mean, do you want a Lewis guy really running the Tolkien Club? No, 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 no. This guy didn't know what he was talking about. Should use more analogy. Um, yeah. Cool. All right, so in two weeks. All right. All right. Cool. It'll be a long two weeks. Maybe we'll have more, some more string lights next time. But you catch up. It is actually kind of, there's good ombre. It is kind of nice. When the full dark comes, it's like, yeah. they shine brighter. That's a, that's a statement. You get your catchphrase yet? Uh, no, what? I will no. never do that. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a sign-off other than just... That's bad breaks. I'm telling you, Saruman has a mind of metal and wheels. <laughs> there we go. That's the catchphrase. <laughs> Man, that was, that was terrible.